There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. I am Sean Ferrick. I'm Paul Sutherland. And this week we are absolutely delighted to be having, uh, I've phrased that terribly, but I'm going to press on with this sentence anyway. Delighted to welcome our special guest this week. You may know him as Triangulum Audio Studios. We know him as Triangulum Audio No, he's our buddy, David. David, how are you getting on? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Oh, it is so good to have you, uh, especially to talk about this this little this little episode that happened the other day. But before we go into that, tell us a teeny little bit about yourself, David. Our our ravenous viewers they want to know. <laughs> well, I am a fellow Trek YouTuber. Um, I've been doing it for two years. Um, and I've just loved Star Trek since I was about eight years old. So, you know, I wanted to contribute to the Trek community, which has given me so much. And so I started the channel. Great. Uh, so uh, we're going to be discussing primarily uh, that Hope is You part two. But we're also going to kind of wrap in a little bit of our overall feelings and thoughts on season three. David, what did you think about the uh, season finale? Uh, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I, I thought it had a few problems with it, but I thought it was good. And uh, overall, I mean, did you think that it was like a fitting conclusion to the season and what they'd set up? I thought so, yes. Once I realized the, you know, entire season really wasn't about the burn. It was more about the family aspect of the show, getting to know the characters and creating that bond that we've seen in other Star Trek series uh, with the with the audience. So once I realized that, you know, it was all good from there. Yeah, you know, I thought that the season was less about family, though that's definitely a big part of it, and more about, you know, like, this theme of hope, which, you know, is fairly explicit in the season premiere. Uh, you know, and I think the season finale you know, if we're going to get, like, touchy-feely about it, was about, like, sharing hope, <laughs> you know? 
um, <laughs> sharing hope with Sukal and the Federation, and you know, and even among the crew. Yes, and I think I think the finale, especially those last scenes, really captured the hope that um, everybody has been, you know, hungering for in all of the past seasons. I mean, not that the seasons didn't have hope, but this was a strong message saying, you know, we're changing our direction for sure going forward. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely got that too. I think that it's not so much... Okay, this is the most explicit I'll ever say. I think it has been distancing itself from season one a lot. I think uh, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, so I won't go too much into it, but I think there was a direction that season one went in that season two and season three very much seems to have veered away from. Uh, hope is probably the best word to put on that because um, that idea of, I suppose, quote unquote, what Star Trek is, and a lot of people potentially thought that early discovery I say potentially lightly there, didn't fit into that, you know, what Star Trek is. Whereas I think season finale, particularly of season three, has got much closer to, um, I suppose, would Berman era Trek be fair to say? It, it, obviously that, that, but I, I suppose I want to... In, because I don't want to separate Roddenberry era Trek and modern Trek because that really puts a schism down the <laughs> middle of it, doesn't it? It, I mean, it also kind of, like, uh, really... Uh, it, it limits how much Roddenberry Star Trek there really is, because there really isn't that much. You know, the Berman era is, like, the largest chunk of the franchise, although I'm not, we must be getting close to surpassing that now with uh, over 10 years of the Kelvin timeline and now all of the content that CBS has put out there. Um, I, I'm sure that you and I will get an opportunity, Sean, uh, to rewatch, like, re-binge season three, and I am positive, just like the prior seasons will have, like, different feelings about it. It may hold up better, you know, as a, as a, as a complete story that you watch, you know, from beginning to end in rapid succession. Um, so, but I've been trying to, like, I've been trying to gather my own thoughts about season three, and... I can say, despite all of my criticisms, at least the tone is, like, much brighter, and it's a much more enjoyable watch than even season two, which I, I continue to believe was the strongest year of Discovery, despite, you know, I'm, I'm in the minority on that one, I think. What do you think, Dave? So, where, where do you think season three kind of stacks up for Discovery so far? Um, well, I have a problem with Gene Roddenberry's version of Star Trek because you know if you watch the original series and then you go to Star Trek the motion picture and then from there to seasons you know one and two of TNG it definitely has a very different feel than what he originally started out as um, you know throughout his his career he started to believe the propaganda that he was feeding the audience he started to believe it himself and it caused a disconnect between Star Trek and its audience. And, you know, that disconnect, if you look at season one, I mean, what's the worst season of Star Trek? Season one of TNG, really. I mean, it was kind of, you, you know, like all, all season ones were rough for, for most series. But, you know, 
TNG was in your face where humans are superior, you know, talking down, very condescending, and no one liked it. You know, when I go back, there are very few episodes that I will actually watch. So the difference for me when it comes to Discovery is that it took the ideals that Roddenberry had that were good and tried to incorporate them. Now, it didn't always succeed, but now by season three, they've gotten into this thing where they're taking the best of Berman and the best of Gene and they're combining it and trying to create something completely different and new. So I, I think it's really, you know, I think it's found its wings and it, it, it's taking off now. And I think season four will be even better. Well, I mean, I yeah, hope you're that right. Is, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, I mean, with all, with all deference to the importance of the original series and, um, and again, to TNG season one, I do agree with you that it, it is exactly what you said. It is very in your face. The characters are, in some instances, less likable than they were when they started to relax into the role a little bit. Um, and I think season kind of three, four of Next Gen, I think we generally agree this is where, you know, let's say Berman era Star Trek kind of yes. takes off. Even, yeah. Um, and then we go into DS9, we go into Voyager and Enterprise, of course. Um and I think that, yeah, I see what you mean. Season three of Discovery, it, I don't know if it does it entirely successfully, but it goes back right. a little bit, a little bit to the exploration of earlier mm-hmm. Star Trek, which is very Roddenberry and very Berman. Obviously, Voyager, like it or love it, the entire theme was, excellent. okay, and getting home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a part of it. Um, and... Now there's sorry, there's a thought that's just popped into my head. Season three of Discovery is fish out of water. It's lost in a different place. Which at least spiritually is something akin to Star Trek Voyager. That's right. Is, is there anything I think that maybe But also it's Enterprise in a way, because it's rebuilding the Federation. You know? That's they sort of And then it's serialized like Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And then it does have those exploration aspects and the can humanity overcome itself type of scenarios that we see in TNG. In fairness, hard to argue that. Pull I think ahead. what sets Discovery apart from those shows, though, is the characters are so ill-defined that you don't really have a strong anchor to tell the kinds of stories that they want to tell. It, it's difficult to tell a story about exploration or about being lost or, you know, um, rebuilding the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't really know who's doing that, you know, who it always falls back on who is this story about, you know, in, in, in the smaller scale. And unfortunately, as much as I love Michael Burnham and I love Tilly and I love Saru, I don't I still don't know that much about these guys. So I, I feel like there's like nothing to hold on to with this show. Um, you know, um, <laughs> the Federation is just kind of like this like sketched out entity, you know, so it's, it's not really like it's not fully fleshed out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that anchor point in the season isn't really there. And while the show did take a lot of steps towards allowing us to actually get to know the Discovery crew, 
I personally don't feel like I really have a good handle on who they are. So nothing felt um, very weighty to me this season, and, and that's a shame. Okay. See, I thought they they did a good job of starting to, to create those anchors. I mean, obviously, with 13 episodes as opposed to 26, you know, there's a lot less room for, for character growth, especially when you have these stories that you have to work out, you know? Um, but I thought Detmer, Culber, you know, um, Tilly, they, they all got their moments to shine this season, whereas in a lot of the the you know the two other seasons of discovery it didn't feel like they were shining so much it didn't feel like we were getting to know them more as they were just there to enhance the plot yeah. i think that's you know? a fair description i think that's fair i think of the secondary characters um culber probably mm-hmm. is the character that benefited the most this season um Yes. I mean, you're exactly right. 13 episodes, it's it's hard for any show, for any show. And this, this, there is quite a large cast in this show, really. We're used mm-hmm. to it because we're used to having the entire bridge crew. We're used to having, you know, DS9 had about 49 regulars at one point. Uh, <laughs> the, the guest yeah. starring section of what you leave behind goes on for half the episode. Um, <laughs> and, we're, you know, so when you have Detmer and... Oh, what's it going? You got Bryce and Reese and Tilly and Arium and Nilsson. Oh, blinking you miss her. There's Lieutenant Ida instead. Um, and <laughs> Linus. And they're all obviously, you know, from a character standpoint, competing for airtime. And it's, it is hard. So, Paul, I absolutely see where you're coming from. It's very hard to really get a grasp on these characters when a lot of their stories are kind of statements. Yeah, you, you know, know I, I keep hearing oh, there's only 13 episodes, so there's not enough time to flesh out the characters. I keep hearing it's meant to be watched as a Uh 13-hour movie. (laughs) You know, it's meant to be watched as a 13-hour movie, but we're still releasing it on a weekly basis, so please try to to enjoy it despite that format. That, That totally rings hollow to me. They're not writing these things, like, in a vacuum. You know, they know the format... They know how the season is going to lay out, at least, you know, episodically. Um, so I, I, I just don't understand the, the like, desire, the, like, necessity to, to obsess over things like mysteries, like the burn, um, you know, over uh, character. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in with a, with a, a hot take on season three. Um... I feel that we know how I feel about the burn. That's on record. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the set pieces of the season have been quite good, but they have been set pieces. The The through story that I think has been going from episode one of Discovery to, well, it's now set in stone, season three, episode 13, has been Burnham's ambling, meandering side-to-side, literally forward-in-time journey to the captain's chair. And in Star Trek, we we only have one other character, really, arguably two. Um, I'll mention the other one now in a moment. But one other character who really kind of compares in that it's taken several seasons and, you know, has... And that is Benjamin Sisko. 
Um, Cisco started Star Trek Deep Space Nine as, uh, I think, technically a lieutenant commander as the uh, first officer mm-hmm. of the Saratoga for all of 20 seconds. And then, obviously... <laughs> commander of deep space nine now we had 60 odd episodes for him to become captain whereas we had for burnham i think we have what 42 i think um and how do you guys feel i realize i've just thrown this at you but how do you guys feel that potentially their journeys stack up or compare against each other in that these are the two long-term journeys to captains that we've seen in star trek so far David. All right. Yeah, go um, first. <laughs> thank you. Well, I think I think they're quite a different journey even though the endpoint is the same simply because, you know, they both face this tragic dilemma in their life, you know. Burnham loses Giorgio after committing mutiny, you know, Cisco loses his life in the Battle of Wolf 359. Cisco makes the conscious decision to put his career on hold, you know, and kind of go create the Defiant class and and that sort of thing, live on Earth. He doesn't want to really be part of Starfleet anymore. Whereas Burnham is arrested. So she's forced into that thing, even though she wants to be a part of Starfleet and she wants to make a difference. Um, And I always had this feeling that, you know, the course for Burnham was to the captain's chair from the beginning, you know, and that she would definitely have to redeem herself. And then by by the end of the series, she would become the captain, you know, the hero captain that we've seen in so many other series. My problem is, is that it just doesn't feel like the journey was enough yet. It kind of feels like, you know, just like Tilly becoming first officer, it was kind of just thrown in there. You know, oh, look at you. You got it done, even though we disagreed. You know, now you're captain. Congratulations. It didn't feel right when she continually, you know, from episode to episode, you know, her her entire personality would change. One day she would be following regs. The next day she'd be disobeying and going behind people's backs. You know, that's not the way to really become a captain. I mean, if you look at Kirk, he knew when to follow the rules and when not to. But Burnham does not have that skill set yet. So to put her in the captain's chair and to put Saru off on another planet for a little while, you know, it it's kind of a bizarre choice that I, I'm not sure that it's going to pay off yet. I, You know, we'll have to wait and see for season four, obviously. But it just feels like the journey wasn't enough for her yet. Maybe one more season, you know? I think that I think the series should end or should have ended with Michael taking the captain's chair not this sort of like mid-series development uh michelle paradise gave an interview in which she said that season three was in part about getting michael into the chair and i just (laughs) i don't i don't see how that you know like really computes um she was all over the place this season and Mm -hmm. i think that you know her being all over the place is actually is fine. It was it, it was a bit of a frustrating viewing experience, um, but you know that's like people have you know interesting journeys in their lives, so that's that is fairly realistic if not totally satisfying. Um, but like Vance telling her, you know you you screwed up several times along the way, but look how great everything turned out. So here's you know <laughs> here's discovery. Um, that it almost felt like. 
he was like swept up in the the emotion and like the you know the the joy of defeating the emerald chain and getting discovery back versus like actually having like a really rational you know uh reason to 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 promote her um I think I would have much rather have seen him say, you know, you screwed up a lot along the way, and sometimes it worked out for the best, so let's, like, do more of that, and, you know, maybe some someday, Michael Burnham, you will be ready, you know, but not yet. And I also just don't think that I need this show to be about Michael in the captain's chair. However, I do think that the image of a black woman in that chair, in that center seat, is a really positive one, so, I mean, I... You know, it's oh, yeah, like I have sure. to. I'm always like so split on this show, but you know, I think. But see, my... the thing is. Oh, sorry. No, no, please, David, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the thing is, and what really bothered me was that they had the opportunity to make her temporary captain while Saru was away, or while they decide, you know, are we going to put someone from this century in the captain's seat? You know, you'll just command doing these cargo runs. You know, and yet they made it such a purpose to say, oh, no, we're not going to have you as temporary. We need you a decision now. You have to be the captain. Like, it was such a bizarre way to, to do it. It's almost you know, like they're the journey saving just didn't feel a potential conflict with Saru for next season where Saru comes back and they're going to jockey for the chair again. Sorry, I, didn't, yeah. I apologize for cutting you off. That's OK. I mean, but we've already been there, you know, so it's kind of, you know, if they're going to do this. You know, if they're going to bring Saru back as a captain of another ship, as an admiral, whatever they're going to do, it just, it seems a little contrived and forced. You know, the journey wasn't satisfying yet. Give us a full season where Michael becomes the, you know, the the real first officer, you know, where she follows the rules, she shows us what she can do like Riker did in season three, you know, and... And then give us the captain's chair. Give her the captain's chair if you have to. I, I just think it was a weird decision to make at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. I think if Michael had said to Vance, "Thanks, but no thanks," that would have been like a really strong. <laughs> yeah, but you then know, Tilly would have been her. captain. <laughs> I I actually, Joe. You know funny enough, I I thought for a little bit of the season, I thought that's where we were headed. Um. Not necessarily that. Well, certainly up until the last episode, Vance was not offering her a captaincy. But I did feel that she was going to reach crossroads, where she would have to veer away. Now, I did think that was going to come sooner, particularly in the episode where she went off actually with Giorgio. And this is so. So, so this is where my mind went to in linking Burnham and Cisco like this together. With with that journey, we had. A very earned and belated, you know, of, of course you are captain. There, there, there was an interview where, very funny interview where Avery Brooks was talking about, you know, Cisco's journey. And he's so blunt, that man. He goes, I don't know why he wasn't <laughs> captain in the start. I don't know. Eventually they made him captain. It's like, Avery, I like your honesty. Um, whereas <laughs> Burnham, I think, yes, Paul, to kind of say what you said, to accept the captaincy. I get, it feels strange. Now, you're both absolutely right. The image of a black woman sitting on the bridge as captain, that is that is there forever. That can never be taken away. And I don't want that to be taken away. I don't know if Burnham as a character has got there yet. I don't know if mm-hmm. what we've seen is enough. Now, we, we, we don't know, obviously, what we're going to get in season four. 
Uh, it could be like you said, David. It could be you know Saru, you know arrives back at Discovery, steps off the shuttle. Oh, that was a lovely holiday. Why are you in my chair? <laughs> Um, or it could be he could be reassigned which is what I think will happen I think he will be reassigned uh, either to work in headquarters or be given one of the fancy new ships <coughs> Enterprise um, and uh, which would be quite pleasant or we now have the entire world of Kaminar to to explore actually I'm talking myself I feel like uh, now is probably a good time to head toward the news because we'll talk about season four in that but before we head there is there anything else guys that on season three let's go really quickly favorite episode favorite guest star david go first for us uh terra firma and um vance is definitely you know he's the best for me yeah solid uh audit fair knocked it out of the park. Paul, what do you think? Same question. Um, I, I guess I'm going to say uh, People of Earth was my favorite episode of the season, even though that was uh, you know uh, that was really early. Um, and uh, I, I guess uh, Tignataro continues to be my favorite uh, <laughs> guest star on Discovery, and I want her to be around more, but um, actually that's going to take us to the news. So, uh, Sean, why don't you tell us what your favorite part was, and then we'll get there. <laughs> cool. Okay, yeah, so really, my, uh, my favorite episode is actually the pilot. I really liked that Hope Is You part one. I really, really liked Michael's episode with my favorite guest star of the season, who was David Ajala as book i i loved him i thought he was brilliant i just want to give a really 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 quick special i love you to kenneth mitchell please come back for season four. Oh yeah okay. and, and, and grudge if you want to come on the show we can you know <laughs> you can have my seat grudge you can have my seat i'm saying that right now no problem um but yes right now let us go to the news that we have in fact and we'll do a little bit of speculating so we can watch paul's eye twitch For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. What do we know so far? We know season four is filming because Doug Jones, who is just a wonderful human being, seems to be replying to every single person who's worried that he has left the show to let them know that he's filming season four. Yeah, um, other than that, I mean, like, I, I think it's actually great that we have no idea, um, you know, what his role is going to be next season, because, you know, presumably it will be like a genuine surprise. Yep. You know. Um, yeah, and we have a year to debate it, right? Oh, God, I hope it's not a year. But <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, let's. OK, so the reality of the world aside for a second, I think we know they're filming now. Um, and so what this so 13 weeks ago this season aired so I, don't, I presume it'll be winter anyway before anything drops and I'd say oh I don't know actually I can't remember has has Star Trek Picard season 2 started filming yet? Uh, February no it's supposed to start in February okay Grant so I, I, I reckon we're looking at Discovery season 4 probably before Star Trek Picard season 2 which is I want more Picard. Anyway, um, 
did you guys catch so this is both in the news and also about season three as a whole um the uniforms right so the new uniforms that came at the end of season three there was a there was something revealed over the weekend which i thought was quite fun is that tilly went through a costume change she never knew about um, she was standing on the set wearing the the grey some people have said it's a motion picture style uniform with the red command division mm-hmm. striped down the side but in the episode that was released it's very much blue yeah having rewatched that episode this morning uh, of course I rewatched this episode this morning but uh, you can really <laughs> tell that they altered that uh, that stripe yeah. in post production <laughs> Oh, I think was the was the reason given that they didn't want to tie her in to being first officer. I think going into the next season. Yeah, I don't know if anybody actually commented on it, but that does seem to be the case. Um, That's what I would guess. I mean, there was also something kind of interesting about that. Um, that actually might have been the scene that Kurtzman was talking mm-hmm. about when he said that they were um, having to do some digital trickery uh, rather than oh, getting right. um, additional photography in because Tig Notaro is clearly not on set when they filmed that. I think they might have even just used CGI to put the new uniform on her and, and spliced in some older footage because you can see in one wide shot and also the promo photos that um, that's not her on the bridge, that, that's a stand-in. What do you think of the pips? So we're so used to having admirals have pips on their collar, on like either side of the collar. Officers have it on one side. What 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 what, what do you think of the pips on the shoulders? Well, that's only for the captain's uniform, right? Everybody oh. else has just got it here, I think. Right? I think so too. Yeah. Like, come on, you should be the expert. You're wearing a Starfleet uniform. <laughs> different era okay <laughs> that, that that is give, give give the man a break his his uniform is from almost a thousand years before this yeah um, geez man sake live in the past paul come on live in the past <sighs> um i actually I, really uh, like the new uniforms um but i think i i even said in a cargo bay 101 that i didn't like the uh the old disco uniforms with all the metallic elements so, you know <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. That obviously they were listening to Cargo Bay One Hundred and One, and all of the collars are gone, Paul. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Now, if only they'd take all my other advice. <laughs> we want a show left by the end of it. Um, is there anything, David? Is there anything that you're hoping for in season four that you feel is? This is potentially a hard question. That you feel where season three has left us. What do you think might be a realistic hope for season four? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No pressure. Um, yeah, no pressure. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Price, they want to break and they need someone to write season four for them. So if you wouldn't mind just right well, now, I'll get could right you write the story it. for Hold season on, four? Just one second. Yeah. Yeah. So first, um, sources that I have tell me that Discovery for season four will be heading to a more episodic nature. Now, not as fully as Strange New Worlds will be, but it's going to be more self-contained stories. Um I have a feeling that we'll get a bit of a time jump, you know, in season four, maybe a year later, you know, maybe half a year later, um, where the Federation is starting to pick up its pieces and start mending itself. And so Discovery's job when we left season three was basically a, a glorified cargo vessel, you know, because it can get to all of these places really fast with the dilithium, get things started. I think eventually it's going to be Discovery being the diplomat, you know, going to these worlds that we've seen before with some new ones thrown in, you know, that we've never heard of in the Federation before, but going to all of these places where Star Trek has already been and reintegrating or attempting to reintegrate, you know, Federation society, you know, back together. You know, we still have Navarre that needs to come back to the Federation. We don't know if Earth is going to come back, and if it does, what is its status within this new Federation? I mean, it left. The Federation started with Earth, and it left. So what, you know, where's Federation headquarters actually going to be in the end? You know, what about the Tellarites, the Endorians and the Orions, the Klingon Empire? How did they deal with all of this? A a race of, of conquerors not being able to go out and conquer anymore. You know, there are so many questions. What happened to Bajor, for example? That's another big question. The Dominion, the Borg, the Kazon, which they've thrown out all these Easter eggs for the Kazon throughout the season. You know, what are what what are the implications? And Discovery can get to all of these places within seconds. You know? Yep. Yep. So I really hope that it's it's a rebuilding thing with self-contained episodes that tell us the story of each of these different races and exploring, you know, have a few anomalies or something thrown in there somewhere along the line that they're exploring. You know, show us the Federation getting back to normal. David, it sounds like you're describing what we thought season three would be. <laughs> like, I knew it couldn't be that. <laughs> I, I think in hindsight, I would have... Like, I am so here to watch that show now that I've seen season three, I think we're in a better place to start that yes. show. I think um, I am not entirely satisfied in how the Federation was sort of depicted overall in season three. I feel it, we could have had either a little bit more or it seemed a bit of a everything was done on the fly, um, mm-hmm. which is both yes okay you have no dilithium that must be quite difficult for you and also oh come on you've been doing this for a while now you must have some backup plans so anyway but i think yeah going into season four as you say you know the idea of getting stranded in the delta quadrant is no longer a thing 
Um, mm-hmm. Assumingly, the Bajoran wormhole is still there, you know, if necessary. Um, you know, at this stage, a thousand years later, I would assume DS9 is dust in the wind, you know, but, you know, you whatever know. is there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think DS900 might look pretty nice. Um, <laughs> uh, what are the Cardassians up to? We see Cardassians in Federation uniforms. So, mm-hmm. or Starfleet uniforms, sorry, I should say. So, have they joined the Federation? You know? Yeah. Right. What were, the, what were the races that stayed, too? I, I want to know. You know? Who was it the Cardassians, the Bajorans? You know, like, who stayed? I mean, there were so many questions. And I agree with you that the way that the Federation depicted was kind of half assed, you know? Yeah. It, Sorry. It's Go unfortunate. Ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's okay. I just wanted to say that, um, and there was some questions about what this Federation's moral center really was. I mean, they threw out a bunch of those little things where people who had this, had this very negative view, and sure, you can say propaganda for some of that, but I don't know. I get this feeling that the Federation still isn't the, the shining beacon that we all hoped it would be. Yeah, anyway, you, sorry about that, Paul. No, no, I was just going to say that I think one of the most interesting lines of the finale, and if not the season, was uh, Osira, may she rest in peace. I'm so sad she's gone. Um, Maybe she not. She said, uh, the Federation is a shell of its former self just going through the motions. And mm-hmm. boy, would I have loved to have actually seen that. You know, like that could have really right. been an interesting, you know, element of the season if the show had really stayed put and let us get a good grasp on what the Federation was, you know, we kept speculating. I mean, we, we just kept speculating period because the show wasn't mm-hmm. giving us enough information. It wasn't telling us this is the way things are here on out. Like, you know, because we've shown you this, like we, they give us like peaks and glimpses of the Federation, but we yeah. never really got a good handle on it. So we were, like, never really trusting that what we were seeing was actually reality, that there wasn't another shoe that was going to drop. So season four... Exactly. Yeah, for me, stay in one place a little while. Give us two or three episodes in one place. You know, show our our crew, go back to their respective homes, and, you know, give us, like, a good, you know, firm grasp of what what the Star Trek universe is like in the 32nd century. And like, mm-hmm. let us have like a like a baseline, and uh, you know, like a clear understanding of the setting that they are trying to you know portray here, so that we can go forward and you know like get cool, fun, exciting, actiony stories out of it. But they haven't done a good enough job world building, in my opinion, which is why I liked People of Earth um, because it that to me felt like one of the better world building episodes, and it felt like. Yep. You know, like this was like the the the, the new rough thirty second century that we were going to see in season three before we shifted into status quo Federation. Only it's only we're told that it's hobbled by lack of dilithium. I think um, I the one thing that I'm kind of telling myself I need to accept is that I don't think the pace of Discovery is ever going to slow. I think they have, the producers and the showrunners, they have a very definite idea that this is, this is action Trek. This is, you know, sexy Trek. This is, you know, God, I can't (laughs) believe I just said that. But anyway, you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, the arrow has been fired. And that, it, it is challenging 
to get the world building that you're right we sorely need in that style of, it's not that it can't be done it absolutely can be done but it is a challenge to get the depth that we need you know and not even in the context of star trek but just in the context of enjoying a show you know what do we know about trill don't like outsiders very much oh wait now they do you know I, there's more to it than that but it was very very quick people of earth i agree you get the best idea potentially maybe navarre as well you get the best idea of where the planet is at breakneck speed so i think what i'm going to tell myself as we go into season four is it's going to be like drinking a quadruple espresso in every episode i just hope that there is enough while your heartbeat is kicking out of your chest that there's enough foundations laid there's enough depth of character even if it takes give Owasakan an episode to herself give you know Owas- Detmer then obviously an episode. give Bryce something to do y- you know something like that maybe give them an episode if, it, if it's not all standalone then maybe you know uh, I'm actually thinking of Doctor Who season 9 you had two part or two part or two part or two and it, all, it suited the the uh, the, the structure so I think I think Paul this is this is the best I've done on I've not speculated I have just uh, put across my hopes is, is that okay <laughs> have, I, have I have I trod the line yeah well I mean like look so this is a news section and we're, we're kind of straying from that there is a little bit of news uh, Michelle Paradise did come out and say that the events of Calypso the short trek that everybody's been harping on all year everybody expected to tie to season three in a way that was more concrete than what we got um she's continuing to say that they love that short and that it will eventually tie into the show i'm a little <laughs> i'm a little dubious here <laughs> I, I i almost wish yeah. yeah i almost wish that they would say mm, it's an alternate reality and moving on you know um because the very shallow way they incorporated Zora into the season. Man, how exciting was it when she showed up in those three robots and then the following episode proceeded to just get her ass handed to her by the uh, (laughs) by the Emerald Chain and only proved useful despite having what was it, like a 100,000 years of knowledge. She Mm -hmm. her her biggest contribution is shielding Awoshiken from an explosion. Well, there you go. A hundred thousand years of civilizations in history, they do tell you that the best thing you can do is save Owosakon. And I'm okay with that <laughs> as a message. Hey, maybe Owosakon is some kind of, like, secret savior of the galaxy, and there's, maybe like, some... Maybe she's <laughs> Zora. Maybe we've got it all wrong. Maybe she's Zora, and for some reason she has to borrow the Sphere's voice. That might be speculation. <laughs> um, what actually, do you know what? Before I forget... Now that it seems to be that we're staying this way, I'm I'm sold on Discovery A. I wasn't for in for a lot of the season because I didn't know if we were going to stick with it. I, you know, maybe we're even as I think I mentioned this last week, even as recently as the trailer for this episode, there was a shot of now as it turns out stock footage, which is grand, of you know Discovery. I really, really, really like Discovery A, and I feel like I can now breathe and say I think it's staying. What do you think? I, 
didn't know that there was really any question about that. The only, th- <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> I just thought that they would like bend themselves into a pretzel to make it align with Calypso this season, but they didn't do that, and I don't really have any real expectation that they will at this point. Yeah. What do you think, David? So, I suppose yeah. Pick, 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 pick your favorite child. Uh, original discovery or discovery A. Um, I actually like both equally. So. Oh, a true it parent. didn't really matter to me <laughs> you know I'm a starship nut what can I say so uh, that's okay I think I think you're in pretty good company here yeah maybe <laughs> I kind of like I but I you know I have an interesting you know I, I can tolerate a good spaceship here or there I actually I you really can like tolerate the <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like the refit um, it kind of smoothed out those like rougher edges um and kind of has like an Enterprise D quality, which is like my favorite, you know, Starfleet vessel. So I, I, I really think it's a good design, and I, I can't wait for all the concept artwork, and technical blueprints and schematics, everything that they should definitely give us over the summer to look at b- between seasons. <laughs> right? Come on, CBS. Can I just say something that actually bothers me about Discovery in regards yes, to starships? course we never get really great beauty shots ever of anything other than the discovery itself you know and the enterprise last season we got a bunch of that but all of these new ships in this 32nd century that i'm hungering for we get a registry number and a busard collector you know like what's with that or we get ships that like the navarre ships which are so far distant i have to bring up my telescope to even see what kind of shape they are i mean it's kind of bizarre since star trek is just as much about the starships all the starships are a main character in star trek always and yet we're we're you know hungering for these shots and all we get is concept art on, you know, CBS social media accounts. And I, I fu- I'm really bothered by that. I mean, this is, this is not news, obviously. Um, you know, they, they did this from, not, not, not about the segment itself, but like broadly, this is not new. Like they've been doing this since the beginning of the series. It was, it was really difficult to see uh, the ships in the first season, the way they, you know, they... Yep. oversaturated the space shots and there was constantly like a nebula or a planet or something to like really obscure uh, you know getting a good look at the ships um i i agree with you i would love to get like a handle on what voyager j looks like i think that that was like yes. a huge missed opportunity in that hope is you part two was that we didn't get a clear uh clear look at voyager nor did she really do anything that interesting <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> part of the fleet yeah yeah um I think um, you're right. Do you think COVID could have been the problem, though? Do you think that the graphic, you know, the graphic artists, since they had to work from home and stuff like that, that could have affected the shots? Do you think that could be it? No, I think that um, the visual style of the show is a lot of lens flare, a lot of, you know, uh, just like very dynamic shots that don't give you like a like a really good chance to just like get a clear idea of what, what you're looking at. So I think to kind of, uh, I suppose to to uh, to put a pin, say in the news section, because I'm very much on the same page as the Perry. Um, I I am that person. I think I've said this before. Like, you know, give me a glass of wine and that dry dock sequence from the motion picture, and that's it. That's my evening <laughs> sorted. You know, I'm 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 fine. You can just leave me alone. You don't need to babysit me. Um, so going into season four, my 
pure wish is, you know, opening shot, opening scene, a bit like the reveal of the Enterprise A. You know, we have to get through 32nd century space dock to say, oh, look, there's the Voyager, there's the Nog. Yeah. There is the Yelchin that was mentioned. Oh, no, that was during the burn, so probably not going to be there. Uh, but something like that. And I know everyone's been calling out for where's the Enterprise. I'm sure there'll be one. I don't think Star Trek's gone 10 episodes without a mention of it. Um, and I'm clearly that is an exaggeration. But I think that's it for the news. Wait, 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 wait. I have some news. I keep forgetting. Oh. No, this is. I think this came up last year. Or last year, last week. Um oh. Tignataro gave an interview in which she said that um, we won't see her very much next year. That she's not going to be traveling to Toronto to be uh, to be in season four. Paul, that's bad news. I'm sorry. We gotta... I know. <laughs> I was winding up with my like mention of her earlier, so like I just wanted to like circle back here and say that unfortunately we're not going to get a lot of Tig in season four. Okay, David, I know it's your choice, but can I put Paul in Cargo Bay 101 <laughs> just for that? <laughs> Please do. Permission granted. Excellent. Cool. Well, grab out of something. Right, on that, let's take a trip to Cargo Bay 101. <laughs> Do you know the rules of Cargo Bay 101? Well, please refresh me. Grant, Paul, would you like to take David through the, co- the rules of Cargo Bay 101? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we're going to take anything, well, you take anything you want from the Star Trek universe, past, present, obviously not future because it hasn't happened yet, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> and um, you can uh, put it in Cargo Bay 101 and we will debate whether or not it should stay in the Star Trek universe or get jettisoned into space. <laughs> that All was right. my well, this is, very boring this, That was great. I, I, no, no, it was great. It was, excellent. Um, it, was, it, was, it was quite textbook, and I applaud you, sir. Um, right. So, David, we're going to make thing go boom now. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> so, what do you have for us this week? Well... The thing that I want flushed right out the airlock, ASAP, is Discovery's turbolift system. I'm so glad you brought I'm this up. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> there's going to be. I'm sorry to say, we, you know, Canon has shown us what a turbolift tube looks like, and although I can believe that there would be a central hub that could be a little bit bigger. I do not believe that it was the massive expanse or, you know, like the season two roller coaster version that we saw. I, I'm sorry, but the whole thing, it's really bizarre. It doesn't fit. The ship is certainly not big enough when you look at the cargo bay versus the rest of the ship. Like, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And I want it in there stat. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Paul, what are you thinking? Okay, so I've, I've actually given this a lot of thought because despite my snark earlier, I'm obviously like, you know, I'm really invested in the starships and starship design. I write the 10 secrets of X starship you need to know, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you should go check out the NX-01 video. I interviewed Doug Drexler, and it's mildly entertaining. Um, no, it's, it's really good. I checked it out. It's a really good video. I highly okay. recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm also like a big Kelvin timeline 
fan. Like, I'm a big supporter of that vision of the universe. And I think that that's, like, sort of the genesis of the very hollow starships. Um, the thing about that is, in Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond, you get views of the in- inside of the uh, Enterprise's secondary hull, and you can see the exterior shape of the hull from the inside. You can see how it all lays out, despite it being very open. And I don't think that, unfortunately, that kind of thought went into the internal layout of Discovery for this episode, which is a bu- bit of a bummer. And I, I was like trying to think about like what is it like to be inside like a really large open space, like a warehouse or a soundstage. And you know they, they're relatively small compared to the secondary hull of Discovery, and they do feel really large and open, but. I just, I, there's just no way to make that believable, unfortunately. Like, you know, it just doesn't work. And I wish that, I wish that it made sense. Um, it doesn't matter, you know? And I, know, I saw a lot of people online, like, complaining about it. And it's just like, it's just such a silly thing. It doesn't matter. But um, I just want a little bit more thought put into, you know, the, the, again, the world building. And that includes the ships themselves. So yes. I, I'm with you. Let's take... Let's take the uh, the insane <laughs> turbo lift, uh, you know, action sequence, and like, I mean, it's just like shrink it down a little bit. It doesn't need to be quite so impressive, you know. That's like flexing yeah. your budget in a way that just didn't need to happen. I okay. So Uh-oh. the very nature of Cargo Bay One Hundred and One <laughs> means it's gone. It's done. It's it's got it's gone forever, and that's fine. But losing the wild, wacky turbo lift chase means we lose a wonderful Die Hard moment. Now, the second last episode of the season was Die Hard on Discovery. But this season, and Chris was the one to spot this, you literally have the Gruber fall as Zara falls out of the turbo lift. I'm not sure if I'm ready to, if I'm ready to lose that. But I, um, I'm on the same page as you. I, it's fun, but you have gone into the grid from Tron and um, yeah. you know <laughs> if, if if they said you have now entered the holodeck I'm, that, I'm, I'm cool with that but yeah there is a slight kind of now I know it's big but is it that big question yeah. um, I mean and, were they just like yeah. going back and forth because like you know like it has been pointed out that there, there there are a couple of shots of the schematic of Discovery inside the episode and you can see that there is you know, there is open space, but, like, were they just, like, yeah. flying back and forth in that open space? Like, how was that journey so long? Maybe that's the tank where, like, the dolphins should live on Discovery and they just hadn't <laughs> filled it. Yeah, you I, know? Have, I have to ask Adam Cleary about that one. Yeah, I'm t- there's another dolphin series coming. Uh, <laughs> guys, I am with you on this one. I think, you know, that th- th- those little silly things called the laws of physics do kind of come into play here, and... Um, I, uh, I'm going to ask you both right now, grab onto your consoles because I'm about to depressurize Cargo Bay one, one, it was about 1701. It's got an upgrade and away it goes. <laughs> so guys, before we finish up now for the evening, we have just finished 23 straight weeks of Star Trek we have just finished season three of Star Trek Discovery. Did, 
where are you now in terms of what, what how do you feel about Star Trek Discovery how do you feel about season three in general and just to kind of a general how do you feel about 2020's contribu- contribution to Star Trek I'll let David start since he's the guest oh well thank you um I thought you know it was it was a good refreshing change and you know I was impressed by you know 2020 I was lower decks I mean come on I, I loved that um you know I was impressed by that I'm looking forward to season two of that which will probably be in August of next year I mean of this year sorry and then you know all of these these new series that will follow after season four of discovery you know strange new worlds i mean we're at the cusp of such an exciting time for star trek where year round we'll we'll be discussing this we'll we'll be having new ships new feelings new storylines so i'm really looking forward to it but i thought that season three was a good solid entry into another new new version of trek yeah, you know, um, I, I've been a little bit negative on the show the last couple of podcasts, and, you know... <laughs> Get um, out of here! You. I think that season three was a big swing, and I can commend them for taking, like, such a big risk. It was really exciting to get introduced to, like, a whole new version of the Star Trek universe, but unfortunately for me, it's a big swing and a miss. However... <laughs> 2020 Star Trek, you know, like... I mean, if there was ever a year that we could use this much Star Trek, it was 2020. Star Trek Picard, I thought, was excellent. Uh, And I think in comparison to Discovery Season 3, I think it even looks a little bit better, in my opinion. Lower Decks was exactly what we needed this summer in that very dark time. And I'm excited for Mm -hmm. the UK to finally get a chance to legally watch uh, Lower Decks, (laughs) which we will be discussing next week. Um, so yeah, you know, unfortunately, season three of Discovery for me was a, a bit of a disappointment, but, you know, I love Star Trek Discovery. It's like way more heart than brain, and that's okay sometimes. Uh, I hated it. Uh, it was just <laughs> awful, awful start to it. Um, no, I mean, obviously, as, as you know, like I, I, I did, I, I really enjoyed uh, season three. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly in what you're saying about Lower Decks, and I cannot wait for season two of Lower Decks. Um, just absolutely the palate cleanser I think we need, and also the lift that we need as well. Picard, I'm really excited for. I think 2020 has just been, we've all been spoiled for choice. Discovery, I think, I think season three is not going to win any new fans, but I think it might have helped solidify existing fans to, no, 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 I'm, I'm here for the long haul. Now, um, I probably would have been anyway, obviously. Um, but I I like it now. I like the expansion. I like where it's going. Um, as we know, it's not perfect. Very few shows are. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in a pretty positive place with where Trek is now at the moment. I think, hopefully... The only direction to go with season with Discovery is up, and I do mean that as a compliment. I don't mean that as a oh, it's been bad before. So that's yeah, that's so that's where I'm at. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm excited for more. Yeah. So goodbye, Star Trek Discovery season three. Uh, for those who have been commenting, asking us if we were going to cover anything other than Star Trek Discovery, guess what? We're going to start covering things other than Star Trek Discovery. 
Nobody ever told me. I bought the T-shirt, Paul. Yeah, yeah take that. Uh, yeah, right. I'll, I'll see if I can dig out another costume somewhere. But for this evening, uh, David, thank you so, so, so much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much for giving us your time. Um, if people want to reach out, which they absolutely should, how and where can people find you online? Ah, oh, they can't. No, I'm just Good kidding. Um, <laughs> they they can search Triangulum Audio Studios in either Twitter or um, YouTube, and and I'll be there. I'm always there. Got nothing else to do. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on, though. I you know I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm honored to be here. Oh, you're 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 very very welcome. Um, yeah, this was this was this was fun, uh, and thank you so much for your uh, your very insightful. Um, just your thoughts on Star Trek as a whole. It's, it's, it's been a year. <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> Indeed, it has. Yeah. Where could people find? Where could people find us if people want to find us? Well, you can find us if you haven't already found us at Trek Culture on Twitter and YouTube. Also, we do write articles for WhatCulture.com. <laughs> I mean, we we never direct anybody to the actual website, but um, yeah, and you can find me personally at Paul Sutherland on Twitter, and I might respond to your uh, comments you- or tweets, maybe. <laughs> it's true. You will get the driest and snarkiest response, and you will love it. Oh yes, uh, yes indeed. Uh, whereas I myself am like a puppy on speed. You can catch me at Sean Ferrick <laughs> on Twitter as well. Um, in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're listening to this on audio only, thank you so much for your ears. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for your eyes and ears. Guys, have a lovely week. Live long and prosper. We will be back next week. And yeah, let's rock this 2021. R.I.P. Osira. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.